0: Welcome to True Crime and Horror, the podcast that delves into the darkest and most chilling stories from the world of crime and horror. Join us as we explore the fascinating and often terrifying world of true crime and horror, from notorious serial killers and unsolved mysteries to spine-tingling ghost stories and haunted houses. Our expert hosts will guide you through the most gripping cases and terrifying tales, providing insight analysis and plenty of scares along the way. If you're a fan of true crime and horror. This is the podcast for you. So lock the doors. Turn off the lights. This happened to me about three months ago. A bit of background about myself. I suffer from chronic pain from a back injury that has been operated on three times. Most of the time I deal with it and live my life. But every few years it really gets to me. I go into these bad states of depression and I stop talking to my family and generally turn into a hermit. When this happens, my family gets very worried that I'm going to hurt myself. I have no idea why. I have never made an attempt or even said that I was planning to. They send me to a psych ER, at which point they usually put me on a 5150. For those who don't know, that means a 3 day hold. They send me off to the local psych ward. None of this has really bothered me before. I have good insurance, so the place they send me is basically like a hotel where you can't have shoelaces. When they wheel you in is the worst part. And if you're admitted in the middle of the day like I was, you're wheeled right through the day room where all the other patients stare at you coming in. This might be a good time to describe myself. I'm a male, just a bit over 6'2", around 285 pounds, with tattoos covering both arms. And since I have been depressed for months, my beard and hair were out of control at this point, and I looked like a generic biker. So generally, I don't ever have a problem with people trying to mess with me. I'm a very friendly guy, but unless you know me, I don't look like it. As I have been through this a couple of times before, I know the gist of what's going to happen. They take all my info, make sure that I have no laces or anything with strings, and they then show me to my room. This psych ward is co-ed, but roommates can only be the same sex. It's also low security, meaning everyone in here is supposedly non-violent. My only problem with this place is that they have people like me with no history of mental illness who are just going through a hard time, mixed in with all different levels of patients. But in the last two visits here, I've never had a problem with anyone, and I was hoping that I would just do my three days and be done. They send me to my room, and the nurse says that my roommate's name is Tim. She also starts to say something along the lines of, Tim is, uh, Tim's a really nice guy, which of course made me a bit weary, but we're in a psych ward. Everyone in here has some issues. These rooms are basically like any crappy motel, except maybe a bit bigger. There's two beds, a bathroom, which annoyingly doesn't have a full door, one desk, and each patient gets their own dresser. It's 3 p.m., and Tim is sound asleep, which isn't that weird, since everyone is on different medications that knock them out or make them just have weird sleep habits. So I don't think anything of it. As a matter of fact, after spending hours in the ER, and a couple more getting all signed in, I'm dead tired myself, and I decided to fall asleep which I do almost instantly. I have no idea how long I slept for, but when I wake up, it's pitch black outside, and only the small floor light that you can't turn off is giving the room some illumination. Tim is wide awake and sitting up on his bed. Psst. What's up, man? I'm Brian. I would have said hi earlier, but you were sleeping. Didn't they say his name was Tim? Tim. I was trying to be as friendly as possible, since it's just easier to get along with everyone in places like this. Yeah, earlier I was a bit tired too. I try to sleep as much as possible so I don't have to interact with any of the demons. This should have been a giant red flag in my cue to ask for a different room, but Tim was much smaller than me, and they search you when you first come in, so I had no reason to fear him, and I decided to make conversation with him about these demons which I found out to him were all the nurses and doctors. After talking to him about this, I told him that I was still very tired and needed some more sleep. Okay, and it's really nice to finally have a fellow human as a roommate. I took this as a sign that he was okay with me and that I didn't have to sleep with one eye open. I woke up early the next morning for breakfast since I hadn't eaten in 24 hours. After I sat down, Tim comes out and sits next to me. Aside from referring to the nurses and doctors as demons, he seemed pretty normal. We chatted about normal things for a while, until he suddenly stops talking and begins staring at someone behind me. You see her? That's Jessica. She's an angel. I turned around to see a very attractive girl who looked to be in her early twenties, maybe even eighteen or nineteen. She waves and says hello to Tim and everyone else who was sitting in the dining room area. She was one of those social butterflies who goes out of their way to be super nice to everyone. When I looked back, I noticed that he was staring at her a bit too much, and I snapped my fingers. Hey man, don't freak her out. He gave me a very confused look, like I had said the most absurd thing in the world to him, and he got very quiet after that. Honestly, I didn't think much of it, as I had my own shit to deal with. The rest of the day was the usual. In a place like this, you have to go to meetings, talk to your doctor, take your medication. But the majority of the time, you're just bored out of your mind. The TV gets like four channels. Even if one of them was HBO, it was hit or miss. So I spent the majority of the time reading books in the day room. While I'm reading a book, Jessica comes up to me... Introduces herself and begins asking me all kinds of questions about my tattoos while I'm reading. (laughs) The story of my life. Like me, she was basically a normal person having a hard time. She just had bad anxiety problems that caused her to have panic attacks. Mainly since she had just started college and couldn't really deal with the pressure too well. We end up talking for a couple of hours and I didn't even think about it until after. But Tim was walking past us over and over. A lot of people did laps in this place to pass the time, so I didn't really think much of it. I later learned he was basically staring a hole through the back of my head the entire time. After talking to Jessica for a while, I tell her that I'm gonna go take a shower before dinner and we'll catch up later. As I said before, the bathrooms in this place only have half doors. Picture those old Western saloon doors so when I'm done, I can see Tim's legs under the door. What's up, man? Do you need to use the bathroom? I'll be just a minute. I gotta change. He doesn't say anything, and just stands there. You're starting to freak me out a bit. I can hear him breathing heavy, and these doors don't walk, so he could have just pushed it open if he wanted to. Dude, you need to back up. Because I need to get out. He then begins shouting at me. You're Satan. You're Lucifer. Over and over. I am now full blown freaking out at this point. If I open the door and beat the shit out of this guy, it's going to be me who gets shot in the ass and put into the quiet room. But I don't know what else to do. Even though he's screaming as loud as he can, no nurses seem to be coming out. The doors to the bedroom in this place are very thick. I'm pretty sure it's because if some of the patients scream in the night, they don't want the other patients being woken up. After what felt like 10 minutes, but was probably closer to one, he stops and leaves the room. I get dressed and instantly go find a nurse to tell them what just happened. I have no idea what they said to him, but they immediately put me into a different room. I don't see him at all for the rest of the night, but I'm legit freaked out. No one has ever screamed at me or cornered me like that before, and I couldn't sleep at all that night. Since they don't have clocks, I have no idea what time it is when I hear him from the day room, where the nurse's station is. Where is he? Why isn't he coming back to sleep? It was the same tone he was using when he was screaming at me in the bathroom. I cracked the door just a bit so I could hear the nurse talking to him. You'll see him in the daytime, and you can talk to him then. Now go back to bed. But I have to see him tonight. It's an emergency. This goes on for another 30 seconds before security finally gets there, and I hear a scuffle, but there was no way in hell I was going out there to see what was going on. I can still hear him yelling, but I couldn't make out what he was saying, and it eventually starts to fade. I figured that he was escorted to the quiet room, which was on the opposite side of the ward. Needless to say, even with him in the quiet room, I laid awake the entire night. Morning came and my doctor is already there, which I found very strange. I usually only saw him well after dinner time. He calls me into the interview room to talk to me. He basically asks me about all the interactions I've had with Tim. I go over everything. When I was done, he tells me that I no longer have to worry about Tim because he's been transferred to a different hospital. I have lived around here my entire life, so I actually knew about the hospital he was sent to and it's pretty hardcore. It's the kind of place where they lock you into a room most of the day. I felt kind of bad because I knew he thought I was trying to steal his angel and was just angry with me over a misunderstanding. But whatever, it's also nice to know that I'm not going to have to hit some poor guy in the face for creeping me the hell out. I finish my stay, and I actually felt a lot better about everything. My pain is being managed better, and I'm ready to stop being such a hermit. My grandmother comes and picks me up, and I think that we're ready to leave, but the doctor is there again very early, and my grandmother is giving me a look that has me a bit worried. I thought that they were going to make me stay longer. Once again, I was brought to the interview room. This is where they tell me what really happened that night, which they didn't want me knowing until I completed my treatment. That night, Tim came out over and over again, asking the nurse when I was coming back. The nurse just kept telling him that he would see me in the morning and did not tell him that I had switched rooms. Apparently, this went on for hours before he finally started screaming about it. Security came and he was moved to the quiet room and given a shot to incapacitate him. The nurse got in touch with Tim's doctor and told him about the situation. Tim's doctor suggested that he be moved to the medium security wing upstairs until I left. When they went to gather Tim's belongings, they found a seven inch piece of metal that he had broke off from a table in the TV room That room has cameras and also has windows where you can see the nurse's station. So my guess is he waited until they weren't looking and worked on it until he broke it off. I'm 99.99% certain that me asking to change rooms is what saved me from being stabbed to death while I was sleeping. The doctors agreed, which is why he was sent to that other hospital. Since he never actually attacked me, he wasn't charged with a crime. And I have no idea how long he was held for. But I'll be a happy man if I never run into him ever again. I'd like to preface this by saying that not all mental health professionals are terrible people. Good doctors and medication have saved my life. I also did not grow up in the United States. So if you hear something in the story that makes you go, Oh, that's not how it works. Keep in mind that different countries have different laws. Furthermore, this is about my experiences while staying at a psych ward. So this is your trigger warning. All right, here we go. I was a troubled kid. I'm kind of a troubled person in general, but when I was in my early teens, specifically 14, I would hurt myself and refuse to go to school so I was put on a waiting list to a mental hospital for children. I know now that the fact that I was on that waiting list for close to half a year should have been the first warning sign. At the time, I just enjoyed being on sick leave from school, which basically meant that I would go play The Sims until 6 in the morning for 5 months straight. But when I had to pack my stuff to actually go to the hospital, I, of course, did not want to go. I wanted to get help, don't get me wrong, but the idea scared me of being away from home for six weeks, which is the standard time they take to analyze and observe you to give a diagnosis, after which you can choose to pursue treatment. I arrived at the hospital in shambles, my mom carrying my suitcase for me. The nurses noticed that obviously I didn't want to be there. Are you here of your own free will? The doctor asked me. I shook my head, they just shrugged it off, saying that they could get a court order forcing me to stay there. I never went in front of a judge, I never got a chance to defend or explain myself. As far as I knew, my parents didn't talk to a judge either. The court glossed over my medical history and signed a piece of paper that forced me to stay in this hellhole for the next six weeks. The contents of my suitcase were searched and I remember feeling that I had just arrived in prison. The first terrifying thing that happened was on the first night. As I mentioned before, I had a history with self-harm. When wounds heal, they often itch. I had reopened some of my old scabs, and when I went to the nurse to ask for a bandage, everyone went nuts. To them, I had purposely harmed myself, which I couldn't prove otherwise. So, what do you do with a 14 year old patient in this kind of situation? Do you talk to her? Maybe try to help? No. You take away all of her jewelry, a necklace from my mom, and a bracelet from my ex girlfriend, who at the time I still had very strong feelings for, and then you send her to the timeout room for 24 hours. The timeout room was a small room with a very big window. I could just barely fit a bed inside of it. If I had to use the restroom, I would have to ask a nurse to accompany me. All of my clothes, including my underwear and pajamas, were taken and kept in the front office, so whenever I would need clothes, I had to go to the front office and ask for them. But apart from having to ask for clothes and to use the bathroom, I was completely left alone in that room. Nobody ever came to check on me, getting out of the timeout room wasn't a whole lot better. For the first week or two, I had these horrible stomach pains. I would get up multiple times a night to use the restroom, which by the way, even if you weren't in the timeout room, they still weren't in the regular rooms. You had to walk down the hall. Because my stomach kept me up all night, I would often not get enough sleep and ended up sleeping through the day, which caused me to miss out on group activities Instead of waking me up, I was bitched at, and I quote, If I was up all night roaming the halls, I'd be tired too. Did they want me to shit the bed? And because I didn't partake in group activities, I couldn't earn the outside time. Yes, that was something that had to be earned. Even just sitting on the front steps with a nurse. So for the next six weeks, I was effectively locked up except for school and weekends, where I was allowed to go home. It was blatantly obvious that none of the nurses actually cared about any of the patients. They weren't even real nurses. They were more like prison guards. One of them straight up looked like a homeless person. Another sounded like she had been a a five-pack-a-day smoker her entire life. And all of them, and I do mean all, were chain smokers. Every free second they had, they would use it for a smoke break, right outside the open door too, so that all the other kids who were currently going through nicotine withdrawals could smell the smoke. Within six weeks of staying at the mental hospital, I saw a psychiatrist a whopping two times, once for a general introduction and once for an IQ test. Anyone who has ever struggled with mental illness probably knows that phrases like, just pull yourself together or get over it, are the least helpful things that one could say to a mentally ill person. There was one instance where another patient who was an arachnophobe came running out of her room, practically having a panic attack because she had woken up to a spider directly in front of her face. Do you know what they told her? Stop being such a baby, it's just a spider. They gave her a broom to get rid of it herself Which, obviously, she could not do. My roommate and I ended up helping her. Both of us are scared of spiders as well, mind you. But possibly the most outrageous thing that happened was on my second to last day, someone had told the guards that I smuggled in a razor blade. So they pulled me out of breakfast and searched me from top to bottom, stripping my clothes off with the door to the nurse's room wide open. When they didn't find anything on me, they tore apart my room they didn't find one there either. They did find one lying on the floor in the hallway. It was even still in its wrapper. I was not the only patient who engaged in self-harm. As a matter of fact, there wasn't a single female patient who didn't struggle with that same affliction. That blade could have belonged to anyone. They had no proof it was mine. But of course, it was assumed that it belonged to me. I was thrown into the timeout room for another 24 hours, literally my last 24 hours there. They paid so little attention to the timeout room that someone was able to slip something under the door so that I could take out my frustrations on myself. In case you're wondering if my parents were in on all this, my mother wanted to get me out of that place as soon as she heard about the timeout room. But since my parents had joint custody, she had to get my father to agree to it. My father is a whole nother story, but to make it short, he hadn't talked to me in four years, but was somehow convinced that I needed help and refused to get me out of there. My final diagnosis from that place? Narcissistic neurosis. I was 14, and to this day... I have no idea how they came up with any kind of diagnosis, considering that I had seen an actual psychiatrist a total of two times. Additionally, this diagnosis was delivered to my parents and I by the head doctor of the hospital, who I had never seen the entire time I was there. I was offered to stay and begin behavioral therapy, but I guess it goes without saying that I politely declined that offer. Every therapist and psychiatrist that I have talked to since, and trust me, there's been a few over the years, have disregarded that diagnosis entirely. Some even laughed at it. I am currently diagnosed with bipolar, depression, and a panic disorder. My current psychiatrist has suggested that I might suffer from borderline personality disorder. I guess the moral of the story is to always do your research on a hospital before you plan on admitting yourself. I sure as shit hope that I never see any of those guards, nurses, or doctors ever again. This is something that I've been wanting to talk about for a while, to be sure that everyone is cautious and stays level-headed at all times. Now, for some context, I lived in the middle of nowhere, Canada. It was an old town that had quite a few abandoned buildings due to the absence of residents. Me and many of my friends were tired of the lack of entertainment options for us, so we would go exploring in these abandoned buildings. Prior to this experience, nothing too crazy has ever happened to us. Occasionally we would see a small amount of liquid that looked like blood and a pentagram on the ground, left by someone who was there previously, but nothing too out of the ordinary. That was until the last time I went exploring. When I was younger, I used to go to a daycare that was part of a mental hospital. It was a weird combination. It closed down due to a lack of patients and the lack of children at the daycare. I decided to go back there with my friends a few years ago. I was 15 when this happened, and most of my friends were around the same age. When we got there, it was rather cliche. There was a fog, it was dark, and there was a light drizzle. We went to the main gate which was locked shut. We decided to help each other hop over, making a ton of noise. We were laughing the entire time, completely oblivious of what was to come. We looked around the small play area with flashlights, but even with our flashlights, our visibility was rather limited. We decided to enter the decaying building. Glass and dirt crunched under our feet as we stepped into the daycare section of the complex. There were still old Legos, wood chips, torn dolls and toys strewn about. The further we went into the daycare section, we naturally became more and more silent until all we could hear was the sound of the dirt crunching under our feet. I found some crayons in a plastic container in the corner of the room. I walked over to pick them up when all of a sudden, we heard a loud crash coming from behind a metal door which led to the psych ward part of the building. My friends and I all looked at each other. As a whole, we were a group of five. Most of us were very bold and cocky. My friend Brian then suggested that we go look to see where the sound came from. Personally, I was not too fond of that idea. But with my group of friends, There was no way I was going to decline. We all stacked up on the door and opened it. It was rusted to the floor, and we had to heave to get it open. The metallic smells and must became stronger, with a hint of something else I couldn't quite put my finger on. We walked in, our flashlights pointed in every direction, with Brian leading the group. The hallways were tight, and there were metal doorways to our left and right. Some of them were open. I felt slightly claustrophobic, and it was becoming difficult for me to breathe. As we continued, Brian shined his flashlight into a room, then recoiled. We all stopped walking as Brian slowly entered that room. What is it? I asked him. I thought I saw someone in here but I guess it was just my imagination. To be honest, I thought he was messing with us to increase our anxiety, but looking back now, I think he was being completely honest. He backed out of the room, and we continued walking deeper into the psych ward. Another friend in the group told us to stop. We all came to a halt and listened. In the distance ahead of us, We heard the sound of subtle footsteps echoing through the hallway. We all looked at each other, fear in our eyes. Brian continued walking toward the sounds. The rest of us considered turning back, wondering if it was a ghost or something else in the building with us. But we couldn't just leave Brian behind. The closer we got, the more I felt I was in danger. We finally entered a room on the right which smelled of rotting meat. In front of us was a eviscerated deer carcass. Its innards were all over the floor, staining the concrete. One of my friends who had a very weak stomach instantly vomited all over the floor. That's when we heard whispering from somewhere nearby. Brian shined his flashlight to the corner of the room where a man with short hair was standing with his head down. He wore a bright green shirt, stained with what I assumed was blood. He didn't have any socks or shoes on his exposed, damaged feet. The man was twitching sporadically. We stared at him for a solid 30 seconds before he made his first move. He looked up at us with a haunting grin that sent shivers down my spine. You guys here for the feast? He asked. This kicked us all over the edge and we bolted out of that room all the way back to the daycare center. The door was still open and we decided to try and slam it shut, but the rust and the heaviness of the door almost kept it open. It took three of us pulling with all of our strength to close it. Just before we did, I could see the silhouette of the man watching us from down the hall, his white teeth being the only feature that I could see. As we sat behind the door, catching our breath, we looked at each other for confirmation that we all saw the same thing. After a while of labored breathing, we heard a light tapping on the door. That's when we decided it was time to go. We booked it out of there and ran back home. A year after we visited that spot, the police went there to do a routine check of the area and they found that man. It was stated that this person used to go to the psych ward before it closed down. He escaped the facility that he was transferred to and lived off of the wildlife around the complex. When the cops brought him in, he had a series of diseases and sickness from eating raw meat. His mental condition was much worse than before. There were other rumors that he killed somebody in the forest while searching for food. So if you're going to go exploring in abandoned buildings, don't forget my story, and always be on your guard. Can you see me? Hello? Can you find me? Can you find me? I'm here. Behind you, look! Behind you! I'm behind you. I am right behind you. Don't be scared. I just want to play a game with you. Hey!